Well, this may be the shortest lesson I ever preach if my voice goes out on me. Uh, it's good to be here this evening. Uh, please get your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> I woke up from a nap about 30 minutes before service and my voice was completely gone. So, uh, sorry, sorry for that. Hopefully, I can still convey the message that I'm hoping to convey. We've been studying through the book of Galatians uh, for the last few months and seeing how uh, Paul describes freedom uh, that we all have and we enjoy in Christ. And as we've come to chapter 5, verse 1, we see that uh, it says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Uh, that's a very strong statement that I think is extremely encouraging as we think about uh, the, the blessings that we have in Christ that Jesus has forgiven us because he wants us to be free. He did it because he didn't want a people who were enslaved to him. He wanted a people who were free in Christ. And yet, many times I think we get the feeling that we are not free. Uh, we feel kind of enslaved and burdened by uh, the desire that God has for us to be righteous like Christ is righteous. And yet, that's not ultimately what God wanted for us. He wanted us to experience freedom in the fullest sense and to give, us, give, give our service as small as it is uh, because we love Him and because we love those who are around us. If you're like me, there's been times uh, in, in our lives that uh, we've really struggled because brethren around us are struggling with this idea and this concept. Uh, they feel enslaved. They feel like uh, they, they're not doing enough, they haven't, they haven't become enough, and so they uh, start to create rules and laws to abide by uh, that make them feel more righteous and superior. Uh, and then they try to force a lot of those opinions and uh, beliefs onto others. Uh, and it's been very easy in my life, early on especially, to become dismayed by some of that. I remember whenever I first started preaching, uh, one lady... Uh, taking some time after everybody had left and, and I was walking out, young preacher, and just filled my ear because I used a pitch pipe in the little mini psalm service that they had. And uh, she, she asked me, why'd you bring the piano into the, the song service? Uh, and, and there's been other cases that are similar to that <clears throat> that I won't go into, but uh, it's easy. You, you may have your own story of, of brethren who have had opinions and they have forced their opinion Onto, some, onto you or onto someone that you love. I'm so sorry. This is going to sound horrible the whole time. Um, <clears throat> man. <clears throat> okay. So as we study in Galatians, we see that that's exactly what the brethren there have experienced. Someone has put a heavy weight onto them that Christ has not put upon them, and that is slavery to them, and they're struggling with that. Uh, if you notice, as, as we start in verse 7, Paul says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. 
you come upon this text, you notice a lot of different statements coming from Paul. And you can tell that there's a lot of background story that, uh, that we've kind of puzzled together throughout our study of Galatians. But he kind of hits on all of these ideas together in this, in this one little paragraph. He says, you were running well. They had their faith and trust in Christ. They were not putting their faith and trust in their ability to be circumcised and to keep the Old Testament law. And they were running well. God was pleased with their service, even though they were not perfect, of course, like Christ. They were still struggling with sin and things like that. They were running well. They were progressing in their faith. And he says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Giving a picture of someone running along and then someone came in and stepped in the way and stopped the running. Uh, stopped the pursuit of, of perfection and, and told the person to stop short because all you really have to do is just be circumcised and just keep a few of these laws. You don't have to do everything God commanded you, but you must do these things that you haven't yet done in order to be righteous. And what they're really doing is teaching a slavery system, a works-based salvation system that hinders their obedience instead of progressing their obedience and helping it to flourish and grow. He says these men are persuasive and that their teachings are allowing brethren to be relieved of persecution. Notice he says, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? The Jews were persecuting Paul. And they were persecuting all the Gentile Christians who refused to be circumcised. And so Paul says, our goal is not to please men and to do what they want us to do to relieve ourselves of persecution, but our goal is to please God. And these men make persuasive arguments because they touch on things that, that appeal to us. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through persecution. And those who are, who are saying these things are being very persuasive. And he says they're like leaven and their, their words are like leaven and it's spreading throughout the congregation. And he says at the end there are these powerful words. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. That sounds pretty harsh words, doesn't it? Emasculate. In other words, their masculinity would be cut off. They had, they had been promoting circumcision and Paul is saying I wish that they would just cut it off I wish they would just be done with all of their pride and arrogance and all that they have done and accomplished for the Lord I wish they would just be humbled and lowly uh, and and submitting to Christ instead of unsettling you with these overly pompous ideas that are not from Christ so these words of these men are hindering the brethren and Paul wants them to know that he is not okay with that. In verse 10, though, there is some vote of confidence. He says, I do have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and that the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. We get the sense that Paul is in encouraging the brethren that he's convinced all these arguments he's made in the book will we'll help them to get on the right track and that those who have been promoting the false teachings will be ashamed of themselves and be, in a sense, emasculated for what they have done. Next, he says in verse 13, <clears throat> For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. These words are very striking to me as well. I mean, this is a powerful section that Paul is giving us, and it's going to lead into uh, the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh discussion. But notice he's making this point that Jesus has saved us to be set free. You were called to freedom. You were not called to slavery. Jesus wants us to be free, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. What does, what does that mean? Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Well, notice the words right after it. He says, but through love, serve one another. The picture is someone is using their freedom for their flesh instead of serving one another through love. So the fleshly desires here that he's talking about are the desires of my flesh to serve myself, to promote myself, to promote my wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Look at me. I can understand the deeper, more secret things about what God really wants from me. And you know nothing. Look at you. You're uncircumcised. And so he's saying, don't use the freedom you have to, to oppress your brethren. Use your freedom to serve your brethren with love and promote the freedom that Christ has given us. For the whole law is fulfilled, not in the, the word of you must be circumcised, but in the word of you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The flesh does not produce loving service. Slavery to a law system, a, 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 a works-based system, does not produce loving service. Hence the reason why I was chewed out for a pitch pipe and, and have been chewed out by brethren on many occasions for different opinions that they might have, which hasn't happened a terribly a lot of times, but it's happened enough. Because whenever the brethren start focusing in on the details and start trying to push opinions as laws, they start failing to show love, and instead they become harsh dictators. And notice what he says here. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. This form of slavery and law keeping and works based system does not result in a loving atmosphere. It results in an atmosphere where brethren are scared to speak or to do the will of God. They're scared to act, on, act out in faith that, that they are saved and that they are in a, in, a, in a right standing and position with God because they're left in this state of fluctuation. I don't know. I don't really know if God loves me or not. They don't feel free to show love to others and to serve others with all that they have. It's a sad situation when brethren bite and devour one another. It's a sad situation when brethren refuse to listen to one another with patience and kindness. We'll see if this helps. I can tell by talking it's warming up a little bit, so that's good.
<clears throat> I don't think that's going to help too much, but we'll try it. Okay. <clears throat> I am moving through this pretty quick, so it'll be over soon. What's the message of this text? The message of this text is to tell us that Jesus has a purpose in setting us free. His purpose in setting us free is not so that we can go back into a life of sin. That's not what he desires. We're not set free so that we can just go about living however we want to live. And that's not at all what anybody's promoting who, who says Jesus has set us free. That's not what they should be promoting, I should say. But the purpose that Jesus had in setting us free is to make us servants of one another. That the love that God has shown to us would then come out of us in our service to one another. That we would not be people who are constantly looking for the sins of other people to point out to them, but that we would be the type of people who are looking for opportunity to encourage and to set our brethren free. But as we look at this text, we see that some brethren abuse their freedom. Some brethren hinder other brethren from obeying the truth by making these kind of rules and laws and systems in which no one is truly justifying themselves as they rely on themselves for righteousness. That never works. And the brother who feels as though they have to be good enough to, to be loved by God will never feel as though they're in the right standing and relationship with God and will not feel the motivation and the drive to love God and to love their brethren as they ought to. And we learn from this that those brethren who are abusing their freedom are really arrogant. And they must emasculate themselves. And their false pers persuasions... Their false ideas and their false ways of handling the scriptures will spread like leaven. Maybe you felt the effects of some of this. Maybe you yourself have hindered brethren from doing things, uh, from being as, as in love with God as they ought to be and in service to God as they ought to be. Uh, have you ever caused a brother or sister to be unsettled or to be hindered uh, in their obedience because you have a strong opinion and you forced it upon them and, and made them feel as though they weren't good enough because they weren't keeping your opinion instead of the laws that God actually does require? I'm ashamed to say I've done, the, I've done this very thing. I've been open about this multiple times and I've mentioned this multiple times. I'm not perfect in this regard. But as I have bitten and, and devoured my brethren, I've come to the understanding that I'm not in a pleasing relationship with God myself. And I hope that you have come to that understanding as well, that the lack of love that we have toward our brethren as we bite and devour them is absolutely the opposite of what Christ came to do. That what I'm doing is really arrogant. And my arrogance opposes love and service, which Christ has called me to do. And so I would implore you, brethren, if, if any of you are, are still doing that, I don't know of any of you who are still doing that or are doing that or have done that ever in the past, but I implore you to listen very carefully to the message that Paul is trying to get across to all of us. We do not want to unsettle our brethren by imposing our own opinions and our own laws and forcing others to line up 
with our, our picture of righteousness. We want to serve one another, as Paul says in this text, not out of obligation, but through love. That's what we want. We want an increase, an abundance of love that we feel toward one another that pushes us to serve one another in every capacity that we could possibly come up with. We want to constantly be thinking about those around us who are struggling and in need. And we want to be constantly putting encouraging messages before them. And remember how easy it is to be unsettled. As maybe you have been unsettled by the teachings that, that someone has given you. That has in some ways made you feel as though you're not good enough to be loved by God. Remember that feeling and how uncomfortable that was. And how damaging that was to your work and to your ability to serve God and love others faithfully. And remember that we need to be more of a source of encouragement. We need to build up and not tear down. That's why we're here. That's why Jesus came to set us free. Not so that we could destroy all the false teachers out there who don't believe everything exactly like us. But he set us free so that we could love those around us who are struggling to be pleasing to God, who are doing their best and, and, and understanding what they're supposed to do as best they can at the moment, but they're not there yet, as none of us are. We need patience. Patience with one another, love toward one another. Uh, we're going to see in the fruit of the Spirit all of these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of these things are supposed to be produced in us because we have experienced the freedom that Christ has offered to us. If you haven't experienced that freedom, I hope that you will make a change. I hope that you will submit your life to Christ. I hope that you will re re be redeemed from all the sinfulness that you have engaged in in your life. And if you have been redeemed, and if you have followed Christ, but you have turned now to the ways of this world in the pursuit of self-justification, self-righteousness, uh, the pursuit of fleshly desires and arrogance. I hope that you'll change. And I hope that maybe something that we've studied tonight will help you with that. If there's anything that we can do to help you, will you please let us know? Please come forward as we stand and as we sing.